0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Green Room with Neil Griffiths on the Handshake Media Network. Today's episode is a little bit of a fanboy moment for me because this band were the first band that I ever saw. Ever. Ever. Uh, Derek Wibley of Sum 41 is joining me down the line from LA uh, to talk about the band's new album, Order and Decline. It's out right now. If you haven't listened to it, check it out because, as Derek says, it's their most aggressive album. And most personal album, and it is a fucking banger. So check it out. On this episode, we talk about the band's new album, obviously. We talk about Sum 41 potentially coming to Australia very soon. And we also discuss Derek's hospitalisation in 2014. Sum 41 fans will know that he got hospitalised due to alcohol issues. His liver and kidney failed him, um, and he had to be rushed to a hospital. Um, and he talks about where the band were at during that period, where he was at during that period. He didn't know if he was ever going to play or perform ever again. So this is a really, really cool chat with Derek. Check it out right now. All right, joining me down the line right now, Mr. Derek Wibley of Sum 41. Derek, welcome to the green room, sir. Hey, how's it going? I should have actually asked when I called you. Where do you? Where are you right now? Uh, I'm
1: in Los Angeles. I'm at home right now. Just kind of getting ready to, uh, we have a couple shows coming up in Canada, so I'm just doing some of my own rehearsal at home right
0: now yeah nice you guys just wrapped up a couple of u.s shows for the album order and decline which is out yep. now it's been out for about two weeks now how yep. how has the reaction been since since the release
1: i we keep hearing it's really great <laughs> um you know like playing the, the the few songs that we play live um have been going over great and um yeah we keep getting reports that it's doing well and uh you know it's so early two weeks so it's hard to really tell but um the first two weeks have been great
0: I mean personally I've been a Sum 41 fan since well in the beginning this is obviously really exciting for you guys because it's arguably the most aggressive album you guys have done but you've also said it's the most personal does it feel like a weight's been lifted off your shoulders now that it's out
1: um yeah in some ways I do I guess like I never really know what to expect when we're putting out an album I don't really I don't know I don't know what I think I just sort of just, you know, you just kind of do your best and you hope for the best. And sometimes it gets a good reaction. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, it's just, it's kind of different every time. I never really know what to expect.
0: Are you, are you past the point where like, it it doesn't really matter to you now? Like if, if the reception's amazing, great. If it's not great, who cares?
1: I think it just depends on where it's great and where it's not great. Like, I think we always want, we always hope that our fans are going to like it. Um, but as far as it being like you know the best reviewed album or stuff like that, I mean we've never really been like a critics band, so that doesn't really ever cross our minds much. Mm. Um, sure, it's great if it if it does get great reviews and stuff like that, which I've been hearing that we're getting uh, positive reviews, so that's awesome. But that's not really our measure of success. You know, we just hope that. We can go out and play these songs and people react to them, and enjoy them live. That's the biggest thing for mm. us. Because we're such a live band. That's what we like to be is on stage, on tour, traveling to different countries and playing for people.
0: Yeah. I think you guys were here in March for Download Festival. Um, yeah. And I actually caught yeah, you. A, yeah, yeah. You, guys did a, you guys did a warm-up show at the Crowbar in Sydney, which for those who don't know, is yeah, it, it's, yeah. a, it's a really small right. venue. Correct me if I'm wrong. That was the first gig you guys had played in six months.
1: Oh, easily. Yeah. Um, Yeah, definitely. I don't remember what the show before that would have been, but I mean, we had stopped to make a record. So that was the first show since we'd been in the studio and we'd ended the whole last cycle. Um, I don't know how many months it was, but yeah, I mean, to us, it felt like a year.
0: When I saw you guys play, like you guys were tight. It didn't look like you had missed a beat at all. That's when I got really excited for Order and Decline. And it shows in this album, like, do you guys feel you are at the peak of your game now?
1: Oh, I I definitely do think that we are the best version of this band that we've ever been by far.
0: How was how was the Download Festival set? I didn't actually get to check that out.
1: It was great. Um, again it was kind of like, you know, it was it it felt like we felt a little rusty because we hadn't really, you know, been playing on stage much, but um overall like the show was great. Shows.
0: I don't know what it is, but it's this particular cycle with Order and Decline. I've, I've read a couple of interviews that you've done, and the, the conversation about Sum 41 evolving from a, from a pop-punk band. Were they ever pop-punk? Where are you guys going now? <laughs> um, and then I also saw this morning the the promo videos you guys did with Will Sasso. Holy shit, that was funny. And you guys are clearly having fun yeah, with I mean, this, right? Okay,
1: it's hilarious. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's, that's why we do it, because it, it is fun. It's the greatest job in the world. <laughs>
0: as far as you're concerned, when people talk about the pop punk sound and a Sum 41, done with punk, were they ever punk? Are you a straight-up rock band? Do you guys categorize yourselves?
1: No, I don't think we ever did. The only thing we've ever said, and we said this right from the very first record, is that we're a rock band. And to us, that's just, you know, loud guitars and... Um, you know, sort of in-your-face music, um, we've always, from the very, very beginning, felt like we did other things than just this pop-punk sound, you know? Um, so to us, yeah, I don't know. We've just always said we're a rock band, and I still think we're just a rock band. It's a very simple rock band. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah, because you, you also said in a recent interview <laughs> as well that, you know, you don't think you could write another in too deep. Is that just where you're at as a songwriter? Is that where you're at as far as your interests lie?
1: I, I feel like it's probably more of like an interest thing. Like I have to have, I, I only write stuff that is sort of where I'm at at the time. Um, mm. So it doesn't mean I couldn't try to go write a pop punk type of song. And I probably could, but it wouldn't naturally just come out the way Judy naturally came out then. Mm. That's all I meant by that.
0: Right. With that, with that video with Sasso, how much work went into that as far as scripting or was that just you guys sitting on a chair and just watching Sasso take the piss out of you?
1: For the most part, so basically the way that works is we, we have sort of an outline of a few things that like sort of the message that you're trying to get across or, um, you know, we throw out a couple ideas of like, uh, you know, let's say, let's, we came up with the idea of saying let's make fun of rock music mm. and say rock is dead. Um, blah blah blah, that kind of stuff, and then he just goes with it and he says whatever it feels <laughs> like. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of other stuff that didn't make the cut too, and it was hilarious.
0: Do you like? Do you feel you have to reach out to Fall Out Boy and Panic at the Disco and just say, hey, it was just a joke?
1: Uh, no, I, don't <laughs> <definitely like that. laughs> it's, it's, I mean. You know, they can take it how they want. I don't know. We're just
0: having fun. Some 41, again, for me personally, are a really important band. You guys were the first concert I ever saw. Tell me if you remember this because uh, Newfound Glory are on the show recently and um, you guys did a show with, or a uh-huh. tour with them in 2003 yeah. um, and they remembered yeah, remember the that. show to a T. Do you remember that tour?
1: I do remember that tour, yeah, very well. I mean, there's parts of it I don't, for sure. We are definitely partying quite a bit uh, in those days. I mean, that was definitely probably the peak of everybody's partying. Mm. Um, but I remember doing the tour for sure.
0: Cause it's, it's interesting as well. Like we just talked about the evolution of your sound. Um, and in those early years, you're touring with bands like newfound glory and you guys are about to kick off your U S world tour. And you're going out with bands like Amity affliction and, and the plot of You, which are obviously metalcore bands. Is that where you guys, the direction you're going towards?
1: Um, I wouldn't say we're like closing the door on anything. Um, I think it just, that felt like it was right for us right now. Um, But yeah, I mean, there was talk of other bands that we were, we were talking to that it just didn't work out. And some of them were more pop punk kind of thing. Hmm. So it's not like we were just saying, okay, we only want to go with hard bands on this, this next tour. We actually talked to a few different kinds of bands and, um, you know, trying to put it all together and, This is where we sort of, we ended up with that we felt was really strong and and we really liked it. But yeah, no, we're not against touring with pop punk bands anymore. You know, it's just the way this tour is right now.
0: I think the last time you guys were here, excluding this, this recent trip, obviously, was Soundwave in 2013. Is that right? Or did you guys come back again?
1: No, no, just, you know, we did download. That was it. So, yeah. Yeah, Soundwave was the last
0: time. Yeah, that would have been early 2013. And then obviously the, the sad news about yourself, you got hospitalized, I think, less than a year later. That last 12 months in particular. It was,
1: almost, it was pretty much a year later, exactly. Well, that was early. So I went to the hospital 2014 in April.
0: Yeah, okay. So Soundwave is usually January, February, yeah.
1: Did one more tour right after that of Canada. And after that, we took a year off. And within that year, that's when I sort of, my health just kind of went, you know, we were off. I had no more responsibility whatsoever anymore. For, mm. We had a, like a definite hiatus, basically. Um, we didn't know what we were going to do. All I knew was I wanted to take a year off from music. And in that year, I just, you know, was not living very healthily and uh, ended up in the hospital a year later.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that because... You said that the drinking kind of escalated when you guys were touring, but then it seems to have gotten at its worst when you stopped touring and you're at home by yourself.
1: Pretty much, yeah. You know, once there was no responsibility, I didn't have to be up for anything or have to be anywhere for anybody. Uh, and you live in L.A., where it's just anything you want to do at any time of the day or night is sort of there. I took full advantage of it, you know, for, and I took it too far. It also had been compounding over years and years. I mean, we were a pretty hard partying band for a long time. So to, for it to escalate from the level it was already was at, that's where it was dangerous.
0: Is there any particular point looking back at it now maybe that you said that's when shit got crazy because like I said, I've I think I've seen you guys each time you've come to Australia. As far as a performance goes, you guys haven't missed a beat. It didn't look like, you know, Derek's on stage being belligerent or being a dick to fans. Like you guys looked completely in sync. So that's why it was so shocking when we heard the news that you had been hospitalized.
1: Yeah. Uh, like I said, I think it got worse when there was no more shows or responsibility. Um, if there was a moment where drinking started to escalate for me, like what you're saying, where there's like that, you know, a single moment. I would say once... I mean I've had a back injury for a long time. I've had a herniated disc and it acts up now and then and it's really painful and it it can be a thing that if it hits a certain kind of if it goes out to a point where like I can't walk anymore like which has happened to me about two or three times like I'll be kind of bedridden for months and well. it will it will end a tour and the the pain is really bad. So that happened again that it started to act up um sort of around I don't know 2010 and it never really got better um and what I was doing was the wrong thing which was self-medicating myself through the pain to keep to stay on the road and not go home and be better and I was just drinking the pain away that was the the moment that took my drinking to a different level and that that's where I was all of a sudden finding myself drinking when I wasn't necessarily feeling like I wanted to drink, but because I was in pain and I didn't want to go on medication and I still wanted to tour and keep working. And I knew if I had a couple drinks, that it would just kind of like get me through. And then every time that would wear off, you have a couple more drinks and then it's all of a sudden nighttime and it turns into what it turns into on tour anyway, which is a big party at night. Mm. So, you know, it, that's where it sort of got out of control. And then when I went home, like I said, there was no more responsibility. Then I just let loose and I didn't think about anything anymore.
0: Did your bandmates know that it was getting bad or did they see it was getting bad?
1: Yeah, I think everyone around me knew it was getting bad. Um, the ba- the ba- that's the band knew for sure. I think it was definitely worrying the guys. But at the same time, the band, like we were in a, diff- in a weird place just personally, anyway. I mean, we've been on the road for so long. We had, we, there's just tension that had been building up for years. We'd never taken a break. I think we were burning out. Everybody in the band was partying pretty hard, too. So it becomes a thing of like, sure, the band might have been um, concerned or saying something to me about drinking, but it's like you're at that point where, you know, the guy who's had. 15 drinks is telling the guy who's had 20 drinks it's too much.
0: How are you coping with that now as far as uh, touring or backstage parties? Like, what do they look like these days?
1: Uh, I don't think there's that much partying these days. I think, um, you know, it's not that it's a sober tour. I mean, I'm sober. The rest of the guys drink on tour, but they're just drinking wine and, you know, they probably stay up late and and talk a bunch of bullshit.
0: Hmm. Um,
1: But it's not like what it used to be like. Which was in the early days, Um, you know. Every single night for us after the show was—it's our 21st birthday or New Year's Eve—and we're trying to have the best night of our lives. You know, we're trying to beat the the previous night, which was the best night of our lives. (laughs) Yeah, and that that doesn't really happen anymore.
0: I always find it so interesting as well. I'm I'm 28 years old, so a lot of the bands that I grew up on are obviously getting to that you know 20 years plus 20 years to being together, and every band seems to have their own story of how they deal with kind of growing up and, you know, focusing more on the music and the partying. Mel and told me that they actually don't talk when they're not touring or recording. Do you guys have a similar mm-hmm. approach or is that completely different?
1: Um, no, I think it's probably different. I think we, we stay in touch quite a bit, um, when we're off the road. I mean, we all live in different cities, so that's the only harder part. I think we lived, if we all lived in the same city, we'd probably get together more. Mm. Um, Possibly. I don't know. I mean, everybody's got kids, and, um, I mean, except for me, but, um, you know, everyone has family. So everyone's pretty busy, but we do stay in contact quite a
0: bit. When Dave left the band and Steve left, did that attribute to the kind of the simmering tensions in the band, or was that kind of part and parcel of being in a very successful band?
1: No, I think, well, so Dave left the band first. He left in 2006. Um, But he'd kind of, I mean, you could you could kind of tell it was coming. Mm. Um, Even in 2005, he sort of somewhat checked out a little bit, Um, not in terms of music, but just in terms of like kind of hanging out with us um, and just sort of being that gang that we used to be. Um, And then he was gone for about 10 years. So Divo left at the end of, you know, well, at the beginning of 2013, which was the end of that tour. Um, so soon after Soundwave, um or sorry yeah 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 it was yeah so i think the tensions had always been there's always tensions when you're but it's like brotherly family tension you know and i think every year it sort of builds a little bit and after a while it, it just gets it can get to a point where i felt like we had gotten to which i couldn't really tell you i couldn't I don't really understand it. and I couldn't pinpoint what was like a breaking point or what was the cause or whatever. To me, it just felt like we were burnt out. We've been touring nonstop for, I don't know how many years now, maybe 14, 15 years. And it just felt like we needed a break. Um, and I think, you know, that's when Steve quit, um, which I don't blame him because you know, I think we were all having those thoughts, either like this is over, or we need to go do something else. Um, I usually know for myself that after a long tour like that, it's best to just like go away and chill out and let everything let the dust settle. Because you always change your mind after about six months. You always think, you know what? It wasn't that bad. I was just really burnt out. That's the way I see it, anyway.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because I mean, as well as well after your hospitalization, when you said you you know you didn't think you you could even potentially ever get on stage again, were you more concerned about Mm -hmm. your music career during that 2013 period when you guys needed a break, or when you were hospitalized? As far as will Sum Forty One ever play together again?
1: I I more when when I was in the hospitals when I really realized um sort of where I was at. And how far I'd fallen, mm. um, and what I really wanted out of life, which was to play music, to, to play the songs that I've written, and just to get back to what I always loved doing. Um, in that year, that you know, previous when I was just kind of doing whatever I wanted, um, I was sure I was having a great time. But I, once you're sober, and you realize what you're doing. I mean, it just, it was lasting too long. You know, it was an entire year of uh, not really thinking about music and not thinking about my health and not thinking about anything
0: mm-hmm. um, other
1: than just like having fun in the moment. And, you know, even that gets boring. And, um, you know, it was once I got sober and I was lying in, in the hospital, all I could think about was music. That was it. That's all I wanted to do.
0: As far as when you started recovering, that was the first and only thing you started? thinking. Like Did you go through that phase of being angry or bitter or resentful towards anything?
1: Pretty much, yeah. I mean, that's all I could think about was just, how, I got to get out of here. I got to get better. I got to play music. Uh, and then when I realized of what bad shape I was in, and that I was in such a bad shape that even doctors didn't know when or if I was going to get any better or how things were going to progress from that point, it was just mostly a wait and see kind of situation, I mean, that's when I got really scared and thought, I don't know if I'll ever be able to play music again. Um, and I just, it, it gave me this thing of like, you know, I have to have faith, I have to be determined and I have to figure this out and I'm going to do anything and everything that I can to play music again. Um, you know, and that's basically what I did.
0: It's pretty crazy to think that that happened in 2014 and some 40 Run released 13 Voices just two years later.
1: That one actually surprises me. I don't know if it would would surprise too many people because I don't know if anyone. I mean, I can tell people that I was in bad shape, but I don't. You don't really know unless you could have seen me in those in that situation. I guess um, when I look back at it, I'm surprised that music was actually made in that period of recovery because I was in really rough shape. So I'm. I don't know. When I listen back to some to some of that stuff, I'm like, I don't. I don't know how I wrote that at the same time of barely being able to walk and, you know, and all that physiotherapy. And I don't know, not that it's great music or anything, but just the fact that any music was made during that period.
0: Did your bandmates kind of say, you know what, Derek, let's just relax a little bit, maybe just get better first, then we'll record.
1: No, I think the band, I mean, I kind of had to go on my own. You know, it was definitely more of a personal thing. Um, It took me a while to even reach out and talk to the band, really. Wow. Um, I kind of had to do my own thing and, and just build up my own confidence in a way, and just I don't know, kind of get back to being myself first before I could talk to too many people. You know, I, I don't know. It was it's a strange feeling at that time. Like you're just not you're not even thinking quite right uh, for a while. I couldn't even I couldn't speak properly. I couldn't even form full sentences. Um, you know, it was just it, it was kind of just a it was a weird time. You know.
0: The timeline itself seems crazy because in that period as well, and that was the first album that Dave came back into the fold, it kind of felt like the pieces were kind of falling Mm -hmm. back into place for the band. But how did Dave come back into it if you were, you know, going through this experience on your own, really?
1: Dave and I had sort of reconnected. I mean, when Dave left the band, we didn't speak once. Um, You know, we never – I mean, I think I ran into him one time, but we didn't actually – you know get on the phone or have any kind of contact other than that was one time that we ran into each other in Toronto um and we didn't speak at all but for some reason in that year that I was in my sort of holiday mode um we started talking and um it started with just texting and then we got on the phone a couple times and we just kind of like I don't know sort of had this phone friendship going for a while then i went into the hospital and all that when i got out of the hospital Dave flew down to come see me we just stayed in contact we didn't talk about the band we didn't talk about anything Mm. uh, other than just being friends talking about old stories talking about high school together you know because we met the first day of ninth grade you know so we've got a lot of history and after a while It just got, you know, I got, I got better and I was making music again and things were getting better. And it just got to a point where we just kind of said, why are we not playing music together anymore? Um, you know, do you want to do this again? Like, should we, you know, there wasn't really much talk about it. It was kind of like that thing we both knew. We're like, yeah, we should be playing together. So, well, let's put this thing back together then. You know, at that time, I had even said to him, I was like, look, I'm, I haven't even really spoken to any of the other guys in the band yet, you know? So I'm at a point where I'm making music and I'm working on myself, but I haven't really talked to the band. I mean, we ended the band really in a bad place at that point. I don't even know where we stand as a band, <laughs> you know?
0: Shit. What did someone like Cone think about it? Was he like, holy shit, Dave, you're talking to Dave again?
1: <laughs> um... Yeah, I think at first he was like, whoa, yeah, like, how did that happen? I mean, just like naturally, like, none of us had spoken to Dave in almost 10 years. So I think, you know, and then Cohen was like, well, I'd love to see him too. And I think they made a plan to beat up and they spoke. And, you know, I talked to Cohen afterwards. And he's like, you're right. He's the exact same guy. You know, it's like nothing's different. Um, So, you know, it was kind of an easy decision. I mean, like I said, it just felt so natural. Uh, So, we all grew up together. We all went to high
0: school together. And now that Order in Decline is out, do you feel like... When you talk about 13 Voices, it kind of feels or sounds like that you don't even know how that album came together. Do you feel this is where Order in Decline is the album that you guys should have had next had you not been hospitalized?
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't really think about things that should have happened or whatever. I just think this is the perfect representation of who we are right now.
0: A lot of people think that this is a a, a political album and it's directed at Trump. Is is the next album going to be all Mm -hmm. about Trump or do you, are you trying to avoid that guy as much as possible?
1: (laughs) I do try to avoid it. And I didn't really want to go there on this record, although I ended up, I did go there in certain ways, but the way I felt, the way that I felt that I I did that on this record is by, I I wrote about my own feelings. I wrote about my own mood rather than attacking, um, specific things or policies or agendas or trying to change other people's opinions. I'm just, I feel like it reflects my mood. Um, it's, it's my confusion, my anger and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's not an album dedicated to Trump. Um,
0: yeah, dude, you know, we, honestly, we shouldn't dedicate anything to Trump.
1: <laughs> no, like I don't agree with him. I don't like anything he does or says, but I'm not also not going to let that asshole take over my
0: music. Yeah, from what I've seen you say about Trump, it's you seem so like fair about it. Like I, it was crazy. I read that you said that the band were all against Trump, but your touring crew were actually all Trump voters. Is that right?
1: <laughs> some of them were. Some of them some. were. Some, yes, okay, cool. We were, a, we were touring with, yeah, not the entire crew, but yeah. I mean, some people in the crew were, um, and we all got along, and that was the thing that we could we could sort of laugh about it. We weren't angry at each other about it. Um, you know, it just, it, and that's kind of the way I feel like it should be. In a way, I mean, you can have Definitely. everyone's going to agree and disagree on some things, you know, um, unless unless it's like. Well, I love Trump because I love how racist he is. Well, then...
0: (laughs) Well, then there's a problem. You
1: don't don't belong in my... Yeah, then we have serious problems. Yeah. But if there's people who are like, I just think he's going to do a better job for the economy. I think he's going to help my family get ahead. I can't knock somebody for that, for thinking that they are going to get a leg up because of what he's going to do for them. I don't think Trump cares about those people Hmm. and... It is, you know, but that's my opinion, you know, and, and I, that, that's how we could agree and or agree to disagree, and we never thought about it, but, you know.
0: I imagine when you put a tour crew together, you don't have to ask the question, pro or anti-Trump? <laughs> yeah,
1: that's not on, like, a questionnaire.
0: <laughs> um, so can you finally relax a little bit now that you guys are about to kick off the world tour? Are you writing more music or are we just going to sit on order and decline for just a little bit?
1: Well, I I felt like I was going to take a break from writing um, and just focus on touring, but I find myself just recently in the past couple of weeks kind of picking up a guitar and starting to work on some new stuff. I don't know where that's going to take me, but I don't know. I just write when I feel like it, and sometimes I don't feel like it. I don't know. It just kind of comes and goes.
0: Before we go, I do have to ask the generic question. You were in Australia earlier this year. When are you coming back for a full tour?
1: Well... I don't know when we're doing anything yet. Everything is still trying to be put together tour wise for next year. Um, All I can say is that we are trying to come back and do a a full tour of Australia. Um, I just don't know when it's going to be yet. And I know everybody's working on it for us right now. So.
0: So let's just say, say. let's just say early 2020. We're trying
1: to make it happen. (laughs) It's possible (laughs) There's talk about that. That's all I know right now is that it's, the ideas are floating around and seeing where we can fit it all in i just don't know how it's all going to work yet
0: that's awesome man i hope we lock it in very soon uh derek thanks again man this was an awesome chat
1: cool awesome thank you so much
0: the album is called order and decline the band is some 41 it is out right now make sure you pick up a copy uh and if you want to hear more episodes of the green room on the handshake media network check it out on apple Podcasts and spotify and don't forget to subscribe and review we'll see you all next